Over the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at uh, different aspects of uh, God's purpose and God's design uh, for the church. Um, I think it's quite obvious uh, to say this uh, in this context, uh, but uh, the church is about people, it's not about a building. Here we are, in, we're in a school, um, it's very obvious. Um, there are various pictures uh, that uh, the Bible uses, uh, that Scripture uses, uh, to um, describe what, uh, what God's people gathered together look like, uh, look like to him, how, and how we are to think of ourselves as well. Um, and today uh, we're looking at uh, family, and uh, specifically uh, the Father's uh, family. We've been just really connecting with God in the first part of the meeting, uh, thinking about um, and hearing God speak to us about how he sees us as a dad. Like, thank you, Anil, so much for that word that you brought, um, about how God just loves to look at us and he delights in us. So family is something that uh, we all have. Um, whether we know God uh, or not. Um, but families all work differently. Um, they look different. They have different customs, different culture, uh, different expectations about relationships. So uh, Helen and I, um, if you don't know us, we've got two kids. Uh, we probably fit into a fairly um, conventional UK family model of um, that we live in one house uh, and our extended family live further away and they come to visit from time to time. Um, but there are other family models where, um, you know, maybe you have uh, grandparents, uncles and aunts all under one roof or very close by. And um, there can also be differences uh, in relationships and uh, deference to the authority of uh, more senior people in the family um, or how we raise differences, that kind of thing. So um, in Helen's family, it's polite when you visit uh, to uh, ask if you can help in the kitchen. However, uh, in my family, um, that can be viewed uh, as very rude. As Helen found out when we went to my aunt's house, a big extended family gathering, and uh, Helen asked more than once if she could help in the kitchen um, and uh, was uh, shot down <laughs> for, for that rude request because uh, it implies that the host isn't able to, you know, isn't doing their job properly. That, that's the thinking behind it. Um, so... Families are all different. So I think it's important uh, to, when we t talk about the church as family, to upfront, to acknowledge that, um, to say we have to be careful um, what expectations and assumptions that we're importing from our own family life that somebody else is maybe completely different from you. The other thing I want to say before I get stuck into uh, the scripture we're looking at today uh, is that church family is lived and it's experienced. I can never, in 20 minutes at the front here, sum up what you will experience even by being part of us for two weeks, never mind 20 years, as some of you uh, have been around uh, KCC for. But um, the passage that um, I'm looking at uh, today 
uh, is uh, from Galatians. Um, so if you want to turn to it, uh, it's Galatians 3, 26 to 29, uh, right at the end of the chapter there. Uh, and rather surprisingly, uh, it doesn't actually mention the word family. The word family never appears in this, but actually it teaches us loads about church family and what it means. Um, so I'm just going to read uh, these four verses, uh, and then we'll look at a few points going through that, um, and uh, I want to draw out some things about what's, what this is talking about. So Galatians 3, uh, starting at verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. So, and what's unique about the church as family uh, is that there are no sons, of daughter, sons or daughters of God by birthright. That's what the first verse in this, this section is saying. Verse 26, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So nobody gets it by being born into it. Everyone who's part of God's family is adopted. And uh, verse 27 uh, says, uh, you and, for all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So clothing is part of uh, the adoption process. And it's saying uh, that it's basically, it's just point, Paul is, as he writes this to the Galatian church, he's pointing them to the, uh, the church uh, is about Jesus. It's about being, if you're in the church, it's, about, it's because you're adopted by him, you're clothed uh, with him. And the consequence of this family that happens by adoption is spelt out in verse 28. This is the verse that says very famously, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Paul is going through in this verse and he's outlining all of the biggest uh, divisions or differences or factions uh, that he could see in the Galatian church. So he goes through, there's an, an ethnic one, there's Jew or Greek. Uh, there's a status uh, or employment one, uh, slave or free. And there's a gender one, male or female. These people are all marked out by their differences. But Paul says they are all one in this family. So what does this oneness look like? I was brought up to value individuality and independence very highly. I didn't actually go to school until I was 11. Um, my uh, mum taught us at home. And uh, my family uh, made our own view of the world and conforming uh, was not valued highly uh, compared to individual original thought uh, and expression. Does that make me weird? Probably, yeah. <laughs> but I think, actually, that everyone seems normal until you really get to know them. 
And that's the joy of the church. That we get to meet people that we would otherwise never have met, who are nothing like us, and actually find out that we have so much in common because we have the same experience that Anil described earlier. We have the same experience of a father who loves us and adopts us and who goes on caring for us. The thing about the church is that God intends it to reflect him. He made each of us in his image and together our diversity and our differences reflect him. If you have a Bible on your phone or um, a paper Bible with you, if you could turn to Genesis 1, right at the very beginning. I just want to show you this from the very beginning of the Bible, uh, how this is true. Uh, If you could turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Uh, There's this one verse Hebrew poem here about creation. And I think, uh, so it's 1 uh, verse 27, if you look at it in your Bible, most likely the ones I've looked at just have it as part of the block of text. But it's actually a three-line poem. And it says, it says this, God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. The reason I got you to turn to it, if you've got it, is it can be quite helpful to see this in in front of you. So you've got uh, line one, God created man in his own image. And then line two, in the image of God, he created him. It looks like it's saying the same thing twice. So what's the point of the second line? Well, the third line says, male and female, he created them. And what's going on here is there's, this, there's a word play that's going on um, to show that the image of God and male and female, are immediate, the, one is above the other in the text, if you read it as three lines. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And then you substitute the image of God for male and female. Male and female, he created them. The thing is, it's not just maleness and femaleness that together reflects the image of God. You can apply this to any difference. It's our differences that show what God is like. God is three persons in one. We are made to reflect that image. So that's the beginning of the Bible. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation, it's, you see over and over again, you can see this phrase that comes up. It's, it says, God wants people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Again, it's the differences, the, the things that mark us out as different. So it's there at the beginning, and it's there right through to the end. And this is God's glorious plan for a church that shines back at him looking like him, being like him in all of its diversity, male and female, slave or free, Jews or Greeks, every other nationality as well, every tribe, every language, every country, no exceptions for being different in any way. The challenge in this 
uh, scripture comes in the final verse. And it's not immediately apparent when you read it. Some verses in the Bible, you read them, you're like, whoa, that's a big challenge. But you don't read this necessarily on the surface of it, immediately see the challenge. Verse 29 says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. This is a verse that sums up an argument that Paul has been building through this chapter and actually the whole of his letter to the Galatian church uh, is about. It's about what is it that makes you a Christian? So the majority of the Galatian church was Jewish, as was Paul, and uh, and being Jewish, a big part of cultural identity is made up of being distinctive. And the things that made Jews distinctive uh, over and above the other nations around them were their observance of Torah, the law that was given to Moses, and circumcision, a covenant made with Abraham. Uh, So this is an outer sign for men of being given to God. I'll be very honest with you, I find Galatians a hard book to read. It's the... The language, the way the arguments kind of go through are sometimes quite hard to follow. But if you use those threads, it helps a lot to kind of disentangle what's going on. So the gist of it is, it's not what you do, your traditions, your customs, or ceremonies that mark you out as being distinctive. It's being God's people that makes you distinctive. So God's solution to the broken world that emerged uh, out of Noah's flood, right at the beginning of the Bible, uh, you can read about this uh, in Genesis 11, there's the the Tower of Babel, um, and a kind of pulling together of people to try and make their own way. It's never going to work because it's not... God's plan. It's not his multicoloured, multi-everything solution that is his family. God, after that happens, he chooses a family. His solution is a family, and it's Abraham's family. And Paul reminds the Jews uh, who are insisting uh, on non-Jewish believers following their customs that Abraham was the one who was promised by God to be the one through whom all nations would be blessed. If you look back in Galatians 3 to verse 8, uh, that's, that's in there. And the inheritance that comes from, uh, that comes from Abraham uh, is not through bloodline. It's not by being a literal son of Abraham. It's not through observing the customs, but through the promise that's given to Abraham, the promise of Jesus restoring all creation. So it's all about Jesus. If Jesus says you're in, then you're in. So um, I'm going to, I just want to, as I bring this to land, but uh, I'm going to ask Robin and the band if you guys could come up um, so you guys are ready uh, for just what God wants to do um, next. The first way that I just want to apply Uh, this scripture to us this morning uh, is to say if you don't know the Jesus that we've been talking about 
it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone gets an invite. The offer is open to you this morning. I would absolutely love to speak to you, as would any of the leaders here. Uh, if you're here and you're just thinking, actually, no, I, I don't know Jesus like that. That isn't my experience of Jesus. I don't, I've never known that I can be accepted completely just who I am. That is the offer that's available this morning. So don't miss that opportunity. Secondly, um, I, I think as I've been preparing this, it's been something that sat with me to think about and go through in my mind. Is there any part of me that doesn't fit with this plan for the church? Is there any part of me that says, oh, it's... it's, it's it's too, it doesn't, it's too difficult to um, think about like, having this multi, uh, multi-racial, multi-everything church. I, it's so much easier if it was just like me, if people were more like me, and then I feel more comfortable. And I think actually God, is, um, God has been calling me to repent of that. That's the beginning of the gospel. Before Jesus comes, John the Baptist comes and he says, repent and believe. Turn from your way of thinking, your way of thinking that is just drilled into you from just the way that the world is. And turn from that to see Jesus again and what he calls us to and who he calls us to be. But thirdly, I'm really aware that there are, uh, there may be people here this morning um, who have been on the rough end of feeling judged for who they are, feeling like they don't fit in. Actually, if you feel like you don't fit in here, that's normal. That's normal. It's meant to be like that, in the sense that you're different from other people. Of course, we want to be a family of God that reflects the character of God and that acceptance and that welcome, and we really hope that you feel that love of God when you come into this place. But if you feel like, I'm different, and how does that work? That's okay, and that's normal. There isn't anyone else here who's like me, and there isn't anyone else here who's like you. God needs you to be part of his kingdom, to be part of reflecting his image of who he is. You are made to be who you are, And if at any point there has come to you a feeling of pain from feeling rejected by somebody else in the church um, for any kind of difference at all, I just feel that God, by his Holy Spirit, would just want to bring healing this morning. So I'm just going to ask everybody if you could, uh, if you're able, if you could stand. And I just want to pray uh, for freedom for us this morning.
in all of these things. And then the bands are going to lead us uh, in uh, a final song where we can just engage with God and what he's been saying. God, thank you for your presence here right now. Thank you that you love each one of us individually, but that together we are your family, your glorious people that reflect you in all of your... um, your, the fact that you are God who is one and three persons, that, uh, that difference and that unity. Lord, thank you that we as a church can uh, reflect that back to you. And I pray that any words that have come against that vision that you have for your people, that you would break the power of them right now over people's minds, over their hearts. Lord, you would touch each one here. That we would know the power of your healing. Thank you that you are healer. And Lord, for any of us that may have thought or said things that come against that vision, your vision for the church, because it is more comfortable if people are more like us. Lord, we repent. We choose to turn our minds. We ask you for forgiveness. Do you show us how we can be your people. Thank you for your presence right now. Lord, would you just keep ministering, Lord God. Amen.